I'll tell of the Battle of Hastings, as happened in days long gone by, when Duke William became King of England, and Arold got shot in the eye. It were this day one day in October the Duke, who were always a toff, having no battles on at the moment, had given his lads a day off. They'd all taken boats to go fishing, when some chap into Conqueror's ear said, Let's go and put Breeze up the Saxons. And Bill said, By gum, that's an idea. Is that Shakespeare? No, that is a uh, Victorian man, uh, probably Edwardian. He lived for a while. He was born in 1880, called mm, Edgar Marriott. Mm, Edgar Marriott? Mm, Edgar Marriott, Scottish chap. Oh. Um, and that's a famous, famous poem, The Battle of Hastings. And I think some of our more eagle-eared listeners will know that that's what we're going to talk about. Isn't that right, Hugh? That's right, Dougie. Shall we introduce ourselves? Yes, I think we better had. Hello there, I'm Hugh Gnard. I shall be uh, guiding you with my illustrious friend, Dougie, through the history, the run-up, and the fallout of the battle. The Hastings. Exactly, and that's right. I am Douglas Rattle. I am your veritable pike master in this titanic struggle for the small patch of soggy land in northern Europe. And of course, yes, we will be discussing the Norman Conquest and the Battle of Hastings in 1066, which I suppose, Hugh, is kind of where where our mod, where our history began, really. Well, I, I think possibly the, the Norns just decided to write it from there, didn't they? I mean, to be yes, honest, yes, yes. before 1066, there were an awful lot of silly names uh, in England, like Ifelmerg, Predelhep, Predelmerg. And so uh, it's quite a relief. Eth- Ethelred, Ethelred the Unready, Ethelred the Not Quite as Ready as Ethelred the Unready, but still not ready. Yep. Uh, Ethelred the Completely Ready. I mean. Exactly. And they didn't have surnames then. They just had descriptions, you see. They just had adjectives instead of surnames. So there was. Yes. Uh, Geoffrey the Unwell, Egerfwop the Smelly, and Frankenherb the Herbie Sausage. The, the Herbie Sausage is um, particularly. Uh, Curious character, isn't it? I know we're digressing, but that's what we do, right? I mean, because he was a staunch vegetarian and incredibly fat. Hated being called a sausage. He used to go yes. bright red in the face with little green specks like a Cumberland. Yes, exactly, which just fueled the fire, basically. Or should I say the barbecue? Giant <laughs> good. Right, should we get on? I think we better had go. Okay, um, right, so... so it's best we set the scene. 1066, of course, is the, the date we all know. Anyone that went to school, and some of those who didn't, would have known the date 1066. But, of course, that's just the battle. The whole Norman conquest, the seeds were sown sometime before. Isn't that right? That's right, yes. So, Edward the Confessor, uh, he died without uh, clean hair, you see. And, um, and he was the king of, of, of where? Englander. Right. Okay, which is where we are now, England. You're on England, aren't you? Absolutely. Not in Frankfurt or anywhere silly. No, no, I refuse to go anywhere where the sausage is currency. So Edward the Confessor died without clean hair and uh, clear air, and uh, England was uh, thrown into disarray. Ironically, the lack of the throne was what made it thrown into disarray. Oh, very good, yes. So, uh, so there's a chap. Uh, Harold Godwinson, who is related to Knut the Great, C-N-U-T, also pronounced as Knut. So, uh, yeah, so Harold Godwinson, son of Godwin, 
through the Earl of Wessex and a brother-in-law of uh, Edward the uh, Confessor, uh, who was the King of England and uh, the uncle to uh, Godfrey in, of uh, Dad's army. So uh, Godwin, see, he had six sons. Uh, there was Swain, uh, who was exiled for abducting the Abbess of Leominster and for weighing up the wall of a 24-hour garage. Uh, then there was Harold, who was made Earl after defeating Magnus the Good. Yes, you see, now that, if, anyone's, if anyone is, is primed for, for failure, it's Magnus the Good, isn't he? Because people are just going to go, well, how good is he? And, and they'll be d- provoked to try, won't they? Precisely. And, and it doesn't say anywhere what he was good at. It doesn't say he was good at war. He could have been good at knitting or, or gardening or just rolling on deodorant or something. Nobody knows what he's particularly good at. So, yeah. Then there's Tostig, uh, who is named by uh, the family dog. Um, Girth, who is uh, actually rather slender, sporting a 26-inch waist, apparently. Then there's Leafwine and uh, little baby Walthnoth. And then uh, they're all true. And then there are three daughters, Edith, who married Edward, uh, the confessor, Gunhild, named by somebody uh, used to naming Boots, and Ulfagifu, who was named by somebody sneezing all over the keyboard at an important naming ceremony. Then uh, Harold uh, married Edith Swanneck after dating Glenda Duckface and Amanda Goosebutt. Uh, so, now, 1055. This is not 1066. It's got numbers in it, but not the same ones as 1066. So, 1055, the Welsh invaded England. And I think they, were, they wanted to flood the market with Welsh cakes, you see, because there were no English cakes, but there are Welsh cakes. They thought, let's do this. And they accidentally burnt Hereford, which... which it's quite annoying. Well, that's easily done, isn't it? I mean, I remember when I, I, I took my eldest to a, uh, a kayaking tournament in uh, in Hereford, Hereford and Worcester, and um, and we accidentally raced to the ground a small village. I mean, it was, it was it, I mean, I apologise, and the whole thing was covered by the insurance, but I, I've never seen so many properties go up so fast, um, and uh, and we had to get out as quickly as we could. So I, it's very, my point is, it's very easy to accidentally burn Hereford. Exactly, and that's why it's full of new builds. So, uh, yeah, Harold uh, didn't like the Welsh, sent them back to Wales, told them off. And then uh, 1064, so now we're coming up to the big day. 1064, Harold went on a day trip to uh, Boulogne to get uh, like one of those flick combs and one of those biros with a lady in a bikini on it. Turn it upside down. Boobs revealed, of course, and erotic playing cards and, and, and other, other literature that you cannot, you cannot get in uh, Martin's. So off he went, and um, and the ferry sunk, uh, unfortunately. And so Harold was captured by Guy the First of Ponthieu, and uh, Ponthieu had uh, only ever had geezers and, and uh, chaps before. Uh, this fellow was their first guy, hence Guy the First of Ponthieu. Uh, and hearing this, William the Bastard decided that's William the Conqueror's first before he was conquering. Uh, he just... yes, he he had some really good spin doctors around him, didn't he, to work on that name. I mean. Talk about a seismic status shift. You know, you go from William the Bastard to William the Conqueror. I mean, that's that's excellent PR, isn't it? I think he decided to rescue Harold from Guy the First of Ponthieu to uh, to change his name in an attempt to be like William the Rescuer or like William the Shatner. Really good boy. You know, just any name except William the Bastard because it is embarrassing, isn't it? I, I, I don't know anyone except for maybe um, John. Uh, the butchers, who would be happy being referred to as as, as a bastard. Well, he, he's, yeah. he's awful at trimming down a lamb neck. 
I found. Oh, absolutely, and that's that's a fundamental skill of any butcher, surely. I think so. I've, I've never said. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. So uh, William uh, rescues Harold from Guy, and, uh, and so this is fascinating for, for our listeners at home, or wherever you are. Um, so William had saved Harold. These future foes on the battlefield were actually uh, brothers in arms at some point. You you know, due to a, a, an act of, of magnanimous good. Exactly. Well, and William was uh, with the Confessor's cousin, you see, first cousin. Right. Uh, yes. Then now it's all coming. So that's that's that that's an important point, isn't it? Yeah, I should probably. Edward the Confessor, when he died, yeah. uh, it's okay. I mean, he's th- it's, there's so much to remember. Mm. Um. So 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 that's basically where the claim to the throne of England from a little a Norman man, um, Norman came man. from because he was related, wasn't he? Yes. Yes. Um, but they, no, but they were, but this is crucial as well. They weren't French, were they? They were Normans. Yes, they were Norman. And, they, and that's Norman men. Norman men from Normandy mm. in northern France mm. on the coast. Mm. And that's an important distinction because in those days they weren't just the French. No. There were uh, they, well, it was almost tribal, wasn't it? Yes, exactly. they were. One could say they were like warlords or gangsters, really, all just wandering around France, spitting in each other, and being generally rude about. Each other's casseroles. So, uh, yeah. Yes, and, and, and that, that uh, yes, yeah, so that's never going to turn out good, is it? No, especially not in France. So, yeah, so Harold, uh, he liked being rescued. And uh, so, Harold and uh, Harry and William went off on adventures together. Uh, and they went fighting uh, Conan, the barbarian, uh, Asterix the Gaul, and uh, the mad captain had the uh, shouty sailor chap. So, uh, yeah. They... Isn't, it fu- isn't it funny that Harry and William? You know, uh, you've seen the link. There. Former former brothers, who then have a massive falling out. Uh, you don't have to be a historian to spot the parallel. Put it that way. No, they have the same names. Exactly. Mm. So uh, so while they're out gallivanting, Harold realised that, or Harry realised that William was very good at fighting, uh, and he was using horses and he was using castles to beat people up because he was getting used to fighting all the other French gangsters and. Um, so Harold got a bit worried hanging out with this bastard, and he thought, oh, he's a bit of a bastard, isn't he? So he said, mm. i tell you what, when the king dies, uh, what about you be king? Because I don't really want to have a fight or nothing. Um, and so, uh, yeah. Was that, was that, is that an accurate depiction of the accent of the time? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, nobody's really sure unless you find a, a dead Saxon and I squat on his chest and then you hear the... Um, so, but I'm not sure about the collectors. Anyway, so he said, "Yeah, you'd be king if you fancy." And then, so, 1065, a year later and a year before, Harold brothers Hostick raises taxes in the north, which they didn't like at all. They started bands like the Smiths and the House Martins, and they started singing, and uh, yeah, it was all quite grumpy up there. And Harold didn't like all these miserableness, and said, uh, "No, no, Hostick." Bad Tostig, down. And so uh, Tostig, he didn't take criticism very well, all being spoken to like a dog. And uh, he stormed off with his mate, uh, Harold Hardradadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadad
1066 and Harold. And automatically, my allegiances were uh, with Harold. He was like, well, he's my king. You know, he's he's the king. Who's this? Who's this sort of you know garlic chuffing French bastard? You know, swanning over you know the the water to to take what wasn't his. And and the reality is, it's much more complicated than that, isn't it? Well, there there is one important thing to bear in mind is that this is an elective king. Uh, and what does that mean? So England, basically, at the time, a lot like France, was made up of lots of different tribes and peoples. And they and they they got together instead of, like, fighting each other and chuffing garlic, and they, uh, they actually just sort of got on and, you know, like selling each other uh, wool and dogs and uh, those nice little, uh, what are they called, the singlets. Those orange singlets that men by the brood, by the roadmen wear. Oh uh, yeah, they the tabard. Were, yes, the tabard. tabard. Yes, love selling each other tabards. So they were all getting on. And so instead of like a king being one of our later kings, who, who basically just kills people until they all, everyone says, "Yeah, you're king," uh, the, the, the lot of the peoples of England said, "Who should we have? Yes, have Harold." Uh, so everybody was happy with Harold, just as you are, and and your feelings bring you to be. See. Yes. And so, uh, but this made William, the bastard, very angry, see? Oh, dear. So this is the point. He changes his name. William the Conqueror gets his mates together, Conquer England. He he changed his name before he did it. I mean, that's that's arrogance. I think think you can get that from uh, too much garlic. And then, uh, but none of his friends were particularly interested in invading England, see? Well, why would you be? I mean, what did they have? I mean... Cardigans. Cardigans, bowler hats, uh, bowler hat umbrellas, sliced um, bread instead of the sliced stick. bread. No. Yes, none of that crusty stuff. No. Chilling. Chilling. Uh, and then the Pope said, "I tell you what, chaps, I tell you what, the chaps, we needed to practice the crusades and things." So he was Welsh. Wasn't no, no, this is a, at the time Roman did sound an awful lot like Welsh. Okay, said. fine. Right. Uh, right so he I'm said, saying. "Hi, uh, you guys are in uh, friends of the Normans. Can you uh, practice your crusades and get out to England and kick the uh, living dodo uh, out of them there?" So uh, that was it. They uh, they all got together and started sailing over on their uh, on their ferries and their other crafts. And so, meanwhile, Tostig, do you remember Tostig? Oh, I remember Tostig yeah. very much. So, Tostig yeah. and his mate Harold Havirada. Yeah, uh, yes, yes. They beat an army of Englishmen at the Battle of Fulford, twentieth September, ten sixty-six. This isn't the Battle of. Hastings. So we're, we're now in the we're now in the year of the big the big kickoff, aren't we? The big final. Uh, so Harold Havirada and Tostig, uh, they come over. They uh, they beat some Englishmen. Harold, obviously, he's like, well, I'm king now. Isn't very good. He rushes up there. And uh, and he has a battle with them at uh, Stamford Bridge. Now, yes, yes, the Battle of Stamford Bridge. Yeah. That's one of those seismic, decisive moments in history where a lot of people think if they hadn't gone up there and got all shagged out from fighting, because they won that fight, didn't they? Oh, and then they seven. had to schlep all the way down hmm. to Hastings, which, for the benefit of our listeners who have who have been fortunate enough not to go to Hastings or anywhere in the Sussex coast. Um, it's right down the bottom. So I would only imagine that it would have been exhausting for them and they were just not ready to fight. They weren't they weren't match fit, were they? No, exactly. I mean, so basically, there's the Battle of Fulford on the 20th September. 25th September, Battle of Stamford Bridge, where they killed Lightosig and Harafad, and then just three days after that, 
28th September, he's got an appointment to go down and have it off with uh, William the Cox. Okay. Now, what's your opinion? I mean, this is clearly your area of expertise. I mean, do you do you think if he hadn't had to do all those fightings, he would have um he would have beaten beaten off William? Uh, I think he could have easily done it, but uh, he was just too chuffed out. Really? I mean, I'd be I'd be bloody knackered, and I've got a car. So um, William arrives at Pevensey, and then he says, "Oh, let's not do it here," and uh, and so he decides to go to Hastings. Now, meanwhile, Harold, having seen how William in uh, battle situations knows this bugger's going to build a castle, isn't he? So he rushes down there, stop him before he builds, starts building his castles all over, all over the Jacksey. I see. So it's a pretty. So he's getting in there early before Harold could dig in, so to speak, with some kind of barricade fortification, some kind of general, general wall of defence. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Well. Yes. 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 So uh, the English rush off. Uh, they've got infantry and a couple of like archers. Um, they're the arrow chaps. And uh, while William, he has a lot of cavalry, uh, which are people. Oh, so that's the problem. You see, okay, so it's horse versus no horse. And mm. I don't know about you, but it, you you don't have to be a historian to know that any historical battle will tell you horse always beats no horse. They get there for nine, um, which is which is pretty good. I think pretty good going. It's. It's prompt, yeah, exactly. prompt, isn't it? Good uh, start. And maybe that's why we start everything at nine these days. I, I could be, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe maybe the Normans did that just to sort of chuff us off a little. Absolutely. Just to whisk the nine. I mean, who would have thought in a parallel universe where Harold had beaten William the Conqueror and we'd remained free from the shackles of the Normans, maybe our working day would begin at 11 or something. Oh, we could have full English breakfast instead of a Oh, it would be a full English Fried eggy bread and uh, port, probably. So, the Brits, they get behind their shields, hunker down, and wait for the Normanmans to attack them. Which, which they very much they did. They very yeah. much did, yeah. And then William watched it, and it, as it got a bit late, William thought, oh, boring. And so he, he got the Norman men together and he said, right, run at them and then run away. That is an amazing plan. So uh, they ran at the uh, English and Harold said, don't run after them, this is a trick. So uh, he goes, run he was a them. smart. He was a smart tactician, wasn't he, Harold? He was a he was a formidable uh, battleman. Well, even even after a long commute, I think he, he really could have stuck it up. Unfortunately, the English were a little bit deaf. Uh, the Norman men charged, turned around and walked away. The English thought, oh, they're running. And they ran after the uh, Norman men. And that meant they were lost the cover of their shields. And the Norman men turned. Was it, were they on horses? Yes, they, they were on horses and they had their archers. So suddenly, oh, without their shields... They were, they were ripped to pieces, weren't they? Ripped to pieces. Obviously, Harold... Probably hit in the eyeball by an arrow, arrowed to death. Then uh, some people say he lost a leg. Uh, so well, we'll we'll come to this, won't we? Uh, so am I um, jumping ahead? No, no, but you, it's fine. Yeah. But I mean, it's 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 an interesting story. It's the famous story of Harold getting the the arrow in the eye. It was, of course, in the first few uh, stanzas of that poem I read. But um, we'll get into that uh, when we discuss the uh, the the the, the post battle publicity material. 
as I, uh, or the Bayer Tapestry, as I call it. Oh, very good. Uh, but carry on, please. Yeah, very good. So uh, Hal dead. Uh, uh, they cut off his bits. Uh, they identify his his mistress comes. Uh, Edith Swannecks. I don't know, swanning swanning about. So one of his mistresses comes, says, "Yes, that's how the Incas go." Oh, that's a pity. And uh, and so, and what happened to his body? I mean, was was he was he given an, a virtuous send off? Was it respect, William, or did they just toss him in a canal? Uh, I don't think it was a canal. I think there there is like rumours that he's buried all over England because they chopped oh. him up that much. Practically minced him. Um, but there are a lot of places that say, "Yeah, we've got him." So then. Um, some say he survived and went to live somewhere else as a cobbler. Or I think he may have had a little stage show in Vegas. Is that him? No, you're thinking of David Copperfield. Uh, oh, yeah, yes. I do kick. So uh, so William uh, rushes off to Western Strabby, chucks aside all of the tourists, gets in there. Christmas Day, he is made king. Oh, that's a clever, clever move, isn't it? Get get it done on Christmas Day. Mm, exactly. You know, so people that. always associate him with their Lord and Savior. Oh. Interesting. Oh yeah, I I thought you meant everyone was off. So uh, now there we are, King William, William the Conqueror. There. And there we are. That that's that that's the story. But uh, I, I'm going to jump in now because, as you know, you, your your knowledge of uh, your as a military history is, is great outweighs mine. But my my knowledge of of um, of handcraft and stitching is far more. Uh, well, I suppose just better than yours, isn't it? Let's be honest here. Oh, I I, I think I think you're uh, you're just the, your definition of the word rug, and uh, and your your amazing hands-on ruggery. Uh, oh, stop it! Stop me. it! You live my ruggery alone. But you're right; it is very good. Yeah. But I mean, the reason why I'm I, I'm jumping in now is, of course, um, I want to talk about the Bayeux Tapestry, which is one of the most famous uh, relics uh, from that period. Which is um, this fantastic uh, piece of uh, stitched fabric art that depicts the entire story. It's almost like a kind of you know newspaper of the time, telling everyone what had happened. It's worth mentioning at this point that Bayer is a small town in Normandy, just four miles south of the English coast. Chilling. Um, yeah, I know, chilling, how close they were. Um, but up until the creation of the tapestry, it wasn't that famous at all, Hugh. Uh, Charles de Gaulle, out of interest, famously did two speeches there, um, but both of them amounted to nothing really more than shouting at the locals for directions out of the town as far as possible. Now, the Bayer tapestry is vast. It is... Um, well, it was initially thought to be 70 metres long. That's about 230 feet. Oh. Um, but, but I know, right? Can you imagine what went into that? I mean, how long did, did, did it take for my wife to, to knit me that scarf? That was, that was 14 years, wasn't it? Yeah, 14 years, and it was, it was shy of two metres. A lovely mustard, lovely mustard colour. Well, it works very well with the plum jacket. But here's the interesting thing. Uh, as recently in 2018, historians discovered that it had been folded over. Your scarf? And the tr no, 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 the Bayer Tapestry. Oh, right. It had been folded over, you see, in, and put behind the glass wall. And the true length of the Bayer Tapestry is actually four and a half miles. And uh, we now know that it was originally intended to be laid across that four-mile stretch of the English Channel for Normans and Saxons to walk across like some sort of rudimentary soggy bridge. But these plans, of course, were, well, yes, right, but they were abandoned um, because um, everyone who tried it drowned. Oh. Um, so they folded it up and just kept the highlights. It's like a highlight reel, really. 
there's all sorts of information in the Bear Tapestry that is not relevant. Like there's a there's a moment where young boy William is picking an apple off the floor and throws it at another boy. And there's another another image of, of Harold on the toilet. Oh. You know? Oh. Yeah, exactly. And, and that undermines the whole gravitas and drama of the event. I understand. I understand. But even even the, the point where Harold has the arrow in his in his eye, they're not sure that's Harold, because there's a man nearby with nice socks. Absolutely right. They don't know. It's it's one of the key pieces of evidence used to support that claim that Harold got the arrow in the eye. And, uh, you know, there is a figure. You're right. You're absolutely right. There is a figure of a man with an arrow in the eye. And below that name, Harold can be seen stitched. Which, and Harold is the name of Harold, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the, the, there's that. But, but the name could also equally refer to the figure next to the soldier with the arrow in the eye, who we can clearly make out is, is, is doing some sort of primitive karaoke, which could just as easily be how Harold perished. And, and that's, that's quite chilling. Death by karaoke. Yes, sang to death. Oh, disgusting. Exactly. I mean, is there any any limit to their depravity? But, I mean, aside from that, I mean, it depicts all the events surrounding the Norman Conquest. Um, you know, we have when William fell over on a difficult pebble, age three and a half, uh, his first booze cruise over from Dover to Calais, age 16. Uh, then, of course, the events of the evasion, the Battle at Hastings, and the inevitable crowning that you pointed out at Westminster. I think really what we're looking at here is that is is the tapestry meeting a need for entertainment in a time before I don't know Netflix, you know? It's very so very 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 widescreen. Yes, very much so. Very widescreen. Mm. Very wide. Sixteen thousand by nine. Absolutely. Mm. And but the trouble is the content was lacking in those days. All the Normans had was BBC One, ITV. And, and and the French station RTL, which mainly showed women with their boobs out getting in all sorts of pickles, oh. you know, and, and I think they were tired of repeats of QI and the. Uh, when you say when you say getting in all sorts naked women getting in all sorts of pickles, yes. What do you mean precisely? What do I mean? You mean they were inserting different? No, 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 no. They were it was they were getting into sort of all sorts of scrapes and. And 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 all, all their plans were coming up short. Oh, and, I see, gallivanting, gallivanting. Mm, yes, yeah. and, and 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 that was very popular on Norman TV at the time. Under gallivantettes, and and they were fed up, you know. And the BBC wasn't giving them much. It was just endless, you know, the erotic adventures of Siegfried and Roy. And I think that the common folk needed some true, long form, wide form yeah. entertainment. So meanwhile, meanwhile, the French are there complaining about their television stopping at midday for the lady with the clown. So what's yes. happening in England? What's happening with the English people while the French are being spoiled with drapery? What you mean? You mean after the battle? Yes. Yeah. Well, it didn't go very well at all. Basically, what what happened then is is a, is a thing called the harrying of the North, uh, which I think was a particularly spiteful name. It was to remind them, you know, the Harry is dead. Mm. You know, it should have been called the Williaming of the North, mm. but they called it the harrying of the North, just to kind of rub it in. Oh, really? Um, and what it basically entailed was a series of military campaigns waged by William the Conqueror um, in the winter of 1069 to 70, uh, basically to, to just, just, you know, to put the kibosh on northern England. William hated the northerners, Hugh. He hated them. He thought they were unnecessarily friendly. Um, their voices were far too loud and the tea was too strong. And he, of course, William expected a few uprisings after conquering England. 
I mean, up, up there the Danes were still hanging around with disgruntled Anglo-Saxons, you see. Down in the south where William and his boys could keep an eye on things with his earls. But up north it was just it was just no man's land. It was wild. And the Danes were around there, you know, still trading, you know, with the people in the north. Um, and bacon, ceramics and Lego. And, and, and the interesting thing is William got wind of this and paid the Danes to go home. And they left. But those who remained, they, they, were, they were very stubborn. They refused, they refused to meet him in battle. And so William decided that they should meet with a very grisly fate. And, and it, it all kicked off in York, as these things tend to do, um, when a couple of Norman earls, um, they, I think they were there to visit the Jorvik Viking Centre, they were brutally shoved about a bit in the queue. Oh, jostled. You know. Yes, it was a very aggressive jostling, and it was seen as an act of uh, uprising. Yeah. And it was the small spark that lit the fuse that exploded the powder keg. Oh. Um, I know, and uh, and and the sad thing is, the Normans they weren't having any of this. They de they deployed scorched earth tactics on the rebels. Um, you know, so basically they just decided to decimate, lay waste to everything: looting, burning, sieging, starving, like and slaughtering. Barbecues everywhere. Crops, houses, tools, livestock were reduced to ash. Uh, as were so many other things, uh, you know, um, horse-drawn carriages, um, twin cassette deck stereos, and and they and they even punctured the poor little Saxon children's space hoppers. No, chilling. I know they they, they was chilling. chilling. There were even reports of those who survived the attacks resorting to cannibalism, which for anyone who's actually eaten the local dishes in the north of England can all too readily believe. And it must have been awful for them because because. They didn't have potatoes then, did they? No, they could. No, they, 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 they um, no mash. They really wish they had no mash. Which is why, why the English has been so protective of potatoes ever since, much to the, much to the chagrin of the Irish. Mm. Um, but writing about the harrying of the North over fifty years later, the Anglo-Norman chronicler Orderic Vitalis, who also has a nice line in uh, Water, he wrote, and I'm going to read you a little excerpt here. Um, I hope you don't mind. So this is fifty years after. Uh, the harrowing took place. Uh, Vitalis, who is our main source of evidence for it, he wrote this. The king stopped at nothing to hunt his enemies. Oh, he was horrid. Really, really mean. He would kick bookshelves, throw rocks at mice, and set fire to every single chicken he came across. No one in the north was safe from this git. God will punish him. Did he? No, he didn't really, did he? No, William, no he didn't at William all. William was over, only over for about six weeks and then he went home. No, exactly. I mean, it was carnage. It was utter so carnage. The thing, so when you talk about the, uh, the Norman Manerals, what happened mm. was the uh, the Saxon Earls and the English Earls said, we, we actually quite liked Harold. You really done him over there. And so uh, so William said, right, I'll bring my mates in. And he brought in Norman men to be the earls, which is what which is what the northerners like, which nobody really liked, and uh, and this is quite, it's quite incredible actually. So this is uh, one of the reasons why we have uh, posh words. Okay, is it really? So he basically transplanted sort of noble, you know, nobility. Yes, into our into 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 England exactly, and it, and it wasn't voted for obviously, like it wasn't elective the way that Harold was, and so he just said, right, these are my Norman men, these are my mates. And he built mm. a castle around them. Go, don't you bloody touch them! And uh, and nobody went near them. And so and and they sat there and said, uh, have, "Have you got any pork?" And uh, 
And the English would go, no, I don't know what pork is. And they go, have you, you must have pork. I'd see it over there. And they go, that's a pig. So you see, this is the point. There's a separation between yeah. pig, pork, cow, and beef, and chicken, and chicken. You see? Split the language at that point, just like it split the classes. That's fascinating. So we uh, we owe the fact that a pig is called a pork to to the to the Norman. Yeah, to the Normanmen in their castle, and so and and, and on. no, no, no. I'm just it's just fascinating, isn't it? It's it, the language thing was actually ironic. It was the similar thing with the North because um, you know, if these people hadn't been Northerners, that that slaughter, that carnage, some say genocide, uh, probably would never have happened. I mean, I I, I was reading that to the, to this day. There are some rural towns in northern France where if you say out loud phrases like, you know, uh, how do Chuck, uh, there's not wrong with that, or I say what I like and I like what I bloody well say, you're murdered. Oh, how sad for those northern French times. Exactly. So uh, this northern divide that I'm talking about now. Yes, yes, sorry, I, I went off on a tangent. This has persisted 27 generations later. See? So names like Darcy, Percy, Mandeville and Montgomery, which are Norman names, remain in the elite, filling up the roster of the rock bridge, and they all work in like medicine, law and politics. While those English names like Borman, Chormondley, Defoe, Trevelyan, and they get jobs in industries like hospital radio, lawn mowing and like making flannels. The, the legacy of something that happened a thousand years ago is just echoing through our our day, you know. It's 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 chilling. It makes the nipples harden, doesn't it? it? Makes the nipples harden. Well, I mean, I th think you might be on your own with that one, Hugh. Oh. Well, okay then. Well, I suppose that's it then, is it? I think so. I mean, I don't know whether there is much to cover, really. I mean, we don't know who actually made the Bayer tapestry. That's another thing. Well, it wasn't me. Um, well, it wasn't me either. Oh. So I think basically we'll just leave that one for, for, for our listeners to speculate. If you know who made the Bayer Tapestry, who stitched it, um, who held the cloth and who, who, who was sewing frantically. Get in touch through the normal channels, the English channel, like William Conqueror. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. But more realistically, use our social media channels because we can monitor that using an independent third-party verification system. And uh, no trolls, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we don't tolerate trolls anymore, do we, Hugh? I, some of them have been quite nice eventually if you start talking to them. I think they just need a couple. Oh, no. Oh, Hugh, you're not interacting with the trolls, are you? Not many other people contact me but the trolls, and so I just find if we strike up a little badinage, I mean, some of them are quite nice. Some of them have commented, commented on, like, the colour of my car, and one of them came and uh, helped me uh, paint the garage doors. Oh, well, then that's fine, then. It doesn't really matter. Does no, right. OK, well, until next time, we'll be back uh, to discuss more... Uh, uh, smackerels of history. Um, so, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I have been Douglas Rattle. Um, I have not. Norman Advisor. No, you have not either. You, you've been Hugh Kennard. Yeah, and that's me. Continue to be Hugh Kennard. Yeah. And um, uh, take care, and uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. Well, we won't, but we'll hear, you'll hear us next time. Au revoir. Bye-bye. <laughs>
This podcast was produced, written and performed by Adrian McKinder and James Devonshire with music by Mike Jones. If you enjoyed what you heard and you would like to hear some more, you can hear some more where you found this one. Thank you.